Hello, friends. Madeline Cheney here. As many of you know, we are currently between seasons five and six. During this time, we are hard at work producing brand new episodes for season six to be kicked off on July 28th. In the meantime, a well-loved episode from the archives will be released each of the nine weeks. It is my hope that whether listening to each of these episodes for the first time or the third time, that you will continue to feel held by this community. Today's archived episode is episode 41 from season three. It was such a good one. So good. It is Effie Park's story episode. I remember re-listening to it the few days before it was released while scrubbing the bathroom and being like, oh, this was such a fun listen. And I know so many of you loved it too. Be sure to check out the show notes for a link to her special topic episode about inclusion that released the week after this one. It was also a great listen. Enjoy. He's able to find something to laugh about in some of the hardest situations that he's in, and it's one of his superpowers. Hello, welcome to The Rare Life. I'm your host, Madeline Cheney, and I'm thrilled to give you episode 41, the story of Ford with his mom, Effie Parks. This one will have you laughing and crying along with us as we chat about her life with her four-year-old Ford. But first, now that we are into April, we have a new question of the month. It is, how have you helped your children's typical siblings? As we talk about in this episode, the siblings go through a lot too. They're right along with us on this journey. It has been a constant struggle of ours to find balance between our two children. And I can't wait to hear what wisdom you have to say. This can be anything that you have found helpful in helping your siblings of your children. I know this won't be applicable to everyone, but I do hope it's helpful for those of us that do have multiple children. You can head to the website, therarelifepodcast.com to answer that. And you can also follow me at the underscore rare underscore life to submit your answer via Instagram on my stories. In this episode, Effie shares what it was like to have Ford admitted to the children's hospital when he was just a baby, when he received his extremely rare diagnosis. We also talk about the way that we appreciate all the little triumphs and the little moments more than we ever would without our children with extra needs. We surely wouldn't be the same without them. Effie also shares what it's been like to have their typical daughter, Ezzy, two years old, and the joys and challenges that come along with that. Effie Parks is super awesome. She has a podcast for parents of children with rare conditions too. It's called Once Upon a Gene, and she's done some amazing work in the rare disease world. Be sure to check her podcast out. As you'll hear her say in the episode, we can never have enough podcasts about this. Yes, I'm so thrilled to have another person in my corner. You can find a link to Once Upon a Gene in the show notes. Effie lives with her husband, Casey, and two kiddos, Ford and Ezzy, in Mercer Island, Washington. 
which I think is so cool. I grew up in the Seattle area and I miss it so much. Effie is a lover of food and of being outside. Let's jump in. Effie, welcome to the show. Hi, Madeline. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I'm so excited to chat with you and get to know you a little better. Yeah, I'm super excited too. So to start off, um, I would love a little synopsis of who Ford is and some of his like medical struggles and things like that. Sure. My son Ford, he's four years old. He was born with a rare genetic condition called CTNNB1 syndrome. He was one in 30 when he was diagnosed. There's about wow. 200 now. It's a neurological disease that affects all aspects of his development right now. Mm. So that's kind of where we're going with that. Okay. And he's in a wheelchair or walker type contraption, right? Yep. So Ford's mobility is impacted pretty severely compared to a lot of the other kids. He currently can't sit up on his own, crawl, walk, and has uh, a lot of dystonia in his limbs and hypotonia in his trunk, which I think your audience will know both of those terms. (laughs) Uh, And yes, he uses a wheelchair for his independence and his mobility, and he's getting really good in it. A little too much of a daredevil, but really good. (laughs) That's awesome. So what you say he's a daredevil. What is another, what makes him happy? I guess. Oh my gosh. If anyone's ever been around Ford or even heard my podcast, Ford's laugh is just like not of this world. Ford's laughter brings everything back. It makes you savor the moments. It really reminds you to just kind of live in the moment and not to sweat the small stuff. He's He's able to find something to laugh about in some of the hardest situations that he's in. And it's one of his superpowers. That's amazing. That's an awesome superpower, especially, you know, when he has to go through a lot more than most people do. That's way cool. Yeah. And you definitely know, right? I mean, these kids are, they're so brave and they're so resilient. We use those words so much, but they're the people these words <laughs> define. Yes. Yes. That is so true. And yeah. they're amazing. <laughs> I love that. I would love to hear the story of when you first found out that Ford was formed differently or had physical issues or mental issues. So right upon bringing Ford home, he was really little. We took him home at like four pounds, nine ounces. He was a wow. little guy. I couldn't get him to latch on in the hospital. Um, and I couldn't get him to do it at home. Not anything that was, you know, really doing anything. He was so upset. He was crying all the time. It took us a really long time to get milk down him, even in a bottle. And most of it would Mm. be on his chest. Um, by the time we were finished in an hour or so, just over a couple ounces. And I was going into the lactation specialists twice a week and the pediatrician once a week, every week for almost four months saying something's wrong. I know how to feed Ford. I know what I'm doing. I come from 12 brothers and sisters. Like I've been around kids my whole life. This is not new to me. And Mm -hmm. Ford's crying. He's not sleeping. He's up at night. He looks like he's in pain. He's literally writhing. Looks like he had a stomach ache. And our pediatrician and the lactation specialists both blew my husband and I off every Mm. single time and told me, well, I must not be doing it right. And Ford just has colic and, you know, we're Mm. new parents and sleep is something that we'll have to get used to not getting. And Mm. 
I just knew they were wrong. I knew they were wrong. Mm -hmm. And finally at four months, his pediatrician looked at me horrified. I remember the moment well, and she told me that she was worried about Ford and that she had made an appointment to the children's hospital for the next morning. Wow. So that's kind of how everything kind of crashed <laughs> landed right in the beginning there. Yeah. I was finally heard and we were beginning, you know, the saga of finding out what was going on with Ford. Yeah. I, I think that probably happens a lot where parents get blown off. Um, but I, I believe so strongly in that maternal and paternal instinct where you know something's wrong. What was it like? to, did it feel validating when she sent you there to have further studies? No, I was so pissed. I was so mad <laughs> at her. I, I thought she was a horrible doctor. I felt betrayed. I felt stupid. Like, mm -hmm. how did I not, how did I not know I could just get a new pediatrician that would listen to me? Yeah. How did I not do something more? What, what was I waiting for at all. Like I, mm -hmm. you know, I just didn't really know at that time that I could question my doctors and yeah. the specialists. And, you know, I learned that lesson really quick after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, but no, I wouldn't say validated was any, there was no positive feelings, mm -hmm. you know, and I, nothing stroked my ego there. I was upset. And I was in like this world where everything was moving slowly and it was, burning down around me. I mean, when someone tells you something's wrong with your child, it's, it's not good. It doesn't feel good. And you never forget it. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I think the humanness of doctors and therapists and other professionals is something that has been a huge part of our journey too, because it's like, you realize, wait, these are humans that are just doing their best and they've been trained and they know a lot, but they are humans doing their best. And, you know, I think our power as parents, like going back to the, you know, maternal and paternal instinct and our love for our children that pushes us to ask more questions and to get second opinions and things. I think that is just so valuable and to realize that they are human and to feel like you can question them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's something that you also learn from too, right? Like you realize who are the people that are going to fit into your team, right? And it's not because mm -hmm. that doctor sucks or, you know, they're the worst. You find the fit, right? And mm -hmm. you can do that. You can move from doctor to doctor and you can find the people who listen to you and who are interested and who have maybe even been exposed to a child like Ford. Mm. Uh, whereas, you know, my pediatrician didn't see kids like Ford, you know, yeah. she didn't necessarily have that exposure yeah. to kids who needed a feeding tube. She was a lovely little pediatrician who was seeing happy chubby kids. Yeah. <laughs> whose problems were colic. Yeah. Whose problems were colic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So what was that like once you transferred over to the children's hospital? What happened after that? That was probably like the hardest week of my life. We we went into this appointment with a neurodevelopment team and she did an exam on Ford and did some measurements and went to her computer and she went back over to Ford and she was like, yeah, so he's he's four standard deviations below the norm. He, you know, he has microcephaly, he has low tone mm. and she just started saying all of these things and oh, she 
she thought I knew them. She thought my pediatrician had told me these things. And I was just in this room in shock hearing the stuff mm. that she was saying to me that she was rattling off. She said, yeah, kids with kids with microcephaly have a shortened lifespan and they're moderately oh to gosh. severely mentally retarded. And I just remember hearing that. And honestly, I don't remember anything after that appointment. I don't remember driving home. I don't, I don't remember the close of the appointment. I don't remember asking questions other than what is a shortened lifespan? Is that three years, 30 years? Yeah. Like what is a shortened lifespan? And I don't remember the answer. Uh, but I left and Ford was admitted into the hospital that night for failure to thrive. And then that week, you know, it was just doctor and specialist coming in the room every hour for a week. And I, I don't even know. I don't even know if I was aware of anything. I was in a fog. Mm. I was so upset. I was so scared. And, you know, like I said earlier, a part of me felt stupid that I didn't figure this out sooner and that I didn't mm -hmm. get help sooner or something. And now here he is four months old, getting a feeding tube put in his nose. And I was just, while I knew something was wrong with Ford, I was blindsided. Yeah. Yeah. That is just so relatable, I think, for, you know, for me and probably for a lot of people listening, just the feeling of um, some responsibility. I think any way you slice it, every parent feels some level of responsibility for, you know, our children's struggles. And I don't think it necessarily is super logical all the time because, you know, obviously you're a loving parent. We're all loving parents, but we didn't do this to our children. But, you know, we love them. And our job yeah. is to protect them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard, that's a hard line to recognize, see, feel, and just let it go because, like you said, mm -hmm. it's not our fault. We're not not caring. We're not not advocating. It's just it's part of the suck. <laughs> yes, it is totally part of the suck. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So how did you deal with the going back to the shortened lifespan? I think you know that that above I'm, I'm guessing, I'm putting words in your mouth, but like above all other symptoms, I'm sure that is the hardest. How have you, have you come to terms with that? Like what has been your journey with that? Honestly, I, for about a year that really tormented me, especially after I joined like a microcephaly group on Facebook and stuff. And I just kept seeing all these horrible stories from families and I was watching these kids pass away and mm. I... I just realized that this wasn't the piece that I needed to worry about. And this wasn't going to be our thing. Mm -hmm. I left the group because it wasn't good for my mental health. Yeah. And quite frankly, Ford's microcephaly, even though on the charts is apparently so severe, it wasn't as severe as what I was seeing in these groups. And oh. I, I didn't have the space anymore to, to think about that because it was mm -hmm. crippling. Yeah. Um, so the shortened lifespan, while that does kind of rattle in my head sometimes that she said that and that I heard that and that I guess deep down I know that, that isn't what I see in our lives and in Ford and in our future. That isn't mm. what I'm fighting against at all. So basically yeah. I had to let that one go because it would smother me. Yeah. Yeah. That 
totally makes sense because that is like the worst case scenario. I think that's cool that you were able to to be proactive and be like not helpful to my life and to my joy and we're just going to Yeah. One, you know, I made friends with this woman on Facebook several years ago. We met in like a feeding tube group and I was messaging her one day and telling her I was crying because I just saw another one of these special kids that I had grown fond of on the group pass away. And she was like, girl, it's time to leave the group. And I was like, oh my God, you're so right. Like I gotta go. (laughs) I gotta get out. Like this one's not for me. It's not doing any good. And I'm not learning anything either. It's just- It's just sad. Yeah. It was just so tormenting. Yeah. What have been um, some moments of triumph in Ford's life? So many. You know, when we got Ford's diagnosis, the geneticist said, we don't really know anything. I found a paper. Um a couple of the kids can take a couple steps and a couple of the kids can say a couple words. And that's the outlook that we have. That's the outlook for Ford. And that was shattered really quickly in not necessarily those ways. Ford Mm -hmm. doesn't talk and he doesn't walk, but he does work so hard. You know, he puts Mm -hmm. every single ounce of energy and you know, just passion into everything Ford does because he loves seeing himself succeed. He loves seeing himself conquer something, whether it's walking in his gait trainer a little better than he did before, or when he learned how to say hi, you know, the word hi can come out of Ford's mouth. He's so smart. You know, he understands everything you're saying. And when you when he notices that you understand what he's saying and what he wants, that blows his mind. Hmm. And seeing that on his face where he's like, yes, I communicated with you and you know what I'm saying, even though I know it's different than the way you communicate and Hmm. seeing him accomplish so many of these hard things, you know, just how much he works in his physical therapy and occupational therapy to be able to hold on to that ball rather than have it and fling it across the room because he can't control his arms. Like watching him, watching him figure something out is always a triumph. And we celebrate, Mm -hmm. we celebrate it every time. Yeah. You know how it is when you see, when you see them do something that maybe the doctors told you they would never do, or maybe you yourself kind of buried a little bit because you were worried you would never see either. And then they do it because the expectations that we have aren't real. Mm-hmm. They aren't theirs. And yeah. if anything teaches you how to appreciate what you have, it's these kids. Yeah. Yeah. I often wonder what would Kimball be like if he didn't have this syndrome? What would I be like if he didn't have this syndrome? What would our family, what would, you know, people who interact with him? And, you know, they're really hard things and I never would wish it on him because it's really hard to watch them struggle and suffer. But it is, it's such a beautiful thing to, to watch them struggle for something and then achieve it. Or to feel like you are struggling for, you know, with all the appointments and all the effort that you have to make to help them get to those points um, is just so rewarding. And those little things, I mean, like, you know, 
typical parents might be like, oh, yeah, like their first steps or, you know, these big things, but like little things, like you say, they're just, they're moments of joy that wouldn't totally. be there otherwise. You, you wouldn't notice. Totally. Yeah, Madeline, I totally feel you on like, I wonder what Ford would be like. And I wonder what kind of mom I would be like. Like, mm-hmm. I know I'd be a good mom, but would I be the mom I am now that really savors this and will stand there and watch something, even if I'm in the pouring rain because Ford's doing it and it's mm-hmm. making him happy. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't know if I would appreciate everything as much. I mean, I know I wouldn't. Yeah. I know I wouldn't be who I am. Ford's made me better. Yeah. Yeah, that is beautiful. I they're magical that. kids. They're just, they're not of this world and they really <laughs> have a higher sense of something and they're they're teaching all of us. Yes. And I think, you know, it's interesting as you say that I'm like, I've noticed that more um, since being a podcaster. And I'm sure you're speaking from experience too, where you, we're in this unique position where we get to talk to tons of parents about our children. And it really, I don't know, I don't know what it is either. Like there really is something <laughs> special about them. And it's just, it's amazing to to be able to be a part of that and to have them in our lives. Totally. So speaking of what we would be like, you know, if they didn't have their, you know, issues or their syndromes, whatever, um, what was it like to have Ezzy? And what was kind of your process? What was her pregnancy like emotionally for you? Um, how do you feel like she's affected your relationship with Ford? Casey and I knew we wanted multiple kids. Like if we had met when we were 20, I think we probably would have had eight. Um, (laughs) But we knew we definitely wanted more than one kid, especially coming from a big family. Like I could not, not have (laughs) siblings. Okay. Like they're the best friends you'll ever have. And they have to be your friend or you can tell on them. Yep. Yep. I come from a family of eight kids. I have to say, I relate with you on that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Totally. You know, (laughs) throw that out there. Big family. There's nothing better. (laughs) Nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we knew we wanted another kid and we knew we wanted one for Ford. You know, we wanted that mm-hmm. companionship and we wanted all of the things. We also selfishly and, you know, I'm not sure what else to call it. Maybe some other parents won't like hearing this, but I wanted to know what it was like to have a kid like Ezzy. I wanted to know yeah. what it was like to have that typical kid that I thought I was always going to have. I wanted I wanted to have that still. Yeah, I wanted... I wanted it. Yeah. Uh, that was a bonus. Yeah. Uh, and who knows? It wasn't necessarily going to happen because look what happened with Ford. Like nothing's yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. It's a yeah. it's the wild wild west when totally. you're trying to decide <laughs> to have a kid. Yeah. Well, like when you say that, it kind of reminds me of Welcome to Holland. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard it. Yeah. It just reminds me of kind of the idea of like you go to Holland when you're expecting to go to Italy and then you're like, but I still want to see what Italy's like. Like I still Mm want to go check it out because that's what I'm grieving because I thought that I would have that and Holland's lovely and it's beautiful, but I can go both places. Yeah. Like I still want to put cheese on everything. (laughs) Give me the cheese. I want it. (laughs) And the tulips. (laughs) Go with this metaphor. (laughs) Oh yeah. But Ezzy, I mean, it's, Every single day, multiple times a day, Casey and I are like, 
did you hear what Ezzy said? Did you see what Ezzy did? Can you believe she swallowed that? Can you <laughs> believe she just put blocks on top of each other and mm-hmm. made a tower? Yeah. Like she's doing these things and we're not helping her and we don't have a therapist here helping her and yeah. we aren't like trying. We didn't even show her how to use the blocks and she just mm-hmm. stacked them. Like yeah. these things stop us every single day and we're like, wow we're living in wonder watching Ezzy and that's amazing and also you know there's these moments that just like take my breath away Ford has an iPad for multiple reasons um his AAC is on there and also Mm -hmm. like sometimes Ford needs his pad because he's not moving around and doing all the things Mm -hmm. and we were at the grandparents for family dinner and we kind of heard Ford whining in the background. And so we knew he needed something and we kind of let it go on for a minute. And then we were heading over to help him. And as he ran in front of us and ran over to Ford, because she also knew that he needed help and mm. he had dropped his iPad on the floor and was trying to get someone's attention. And he got Ezzy's attention and she ran over there and she picked up his iPad and she put it back in his lap for him. Mm. And I just like, I cried. I just couldn't believe it. You know, it was just Mm. such a sweet and endearing moment that the two of them had. And Ford was so grateful. He looked at her, he giggled. She didn't try to take his pad and watch it. You know, she doesn't get Mm. the screen time. So it was Mm. just, it was so beautiful. And seeing the kids, right. Who have these siblings like Ford, they're just, they're, they're the unsung heroes in our community. They're the kids mm-hmm. who are doing all the things we're doing. They're yeah. caregivers. They're feeling all the same emotions, especially as they get older, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to be yeah. grieving, not having a typical sibling and yeah. this or that. And, you know, they're going to be doing all the same things we're doing. Yeah. So obviously there's so much that goes into figuring out how to parent her and how to parent Ford, especially as she gets older. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching the tenderness between them right now is is everything. I mean, I'll never forget mm. that particular moment either, even yeah. though it was just so small. Yeah. I mean, she's one. <laughs> and she did that for her brother. And it just, it was so, so special. That's so sweet. Yeah, we've, it's interesting. I hear stories like this and I'm like, ah, oh, because... We have the flip where my daughter's four and then Kimball's two, so they're switched. And Wendy has struggled with Kimball from day one. And so we have moments like that where I'm like, oh my gosh, she's helping or she ran and grabbed his cervical collar for us or like whatever. But I, you know, I hope that as she grows up and as she matures and stuff, she means she's four, that she will kind of grow into that. Because I think, I don't know, I imagine that when it's flipped like that, like with Ezzy where she's born but that's her world. That's how it is. I imagine that that is just just so sweet to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It's probably more difficult when the first child is typically developing and then, you know, this comes into their home and everyone's stressed out and everyone's (laughs) trying to figure it out. And the little baby is getting unending attention, not normal baby attention. Like that's gotta be, that's gotta be a lot for her for sure. Yeah. I think part of it was like the week you talked about, um, and then I'm sure after that too, when you had diagnoses and stuff for Ford, where like, 
I was so unglued. And so I just I I look back now, especially and just I feel for her because her world was falling apart and she didn't really know why she was too. <laughs> so like to see us in like the throes of this grief and like this diagnosis and endless therapies all about him. I mean, like they are the unsung heroes, even if she and other siblings, I don't know, that are struggling they're fighting their own battles, you know, like totally. they are, they're in the trenches with us. They are. They're literally doing all the exact same things we're doing, except they're not driving yet, which will be really convenient <laughs> when they do yes. drive, but <laughs> yeah. they're doing all of the hard things just like we are. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to like really think about that. Really it's that true. It's yeah. true. Especially when you talk to adults who are siblings and you kind of hear a little bit about their story, you know, like I hear all of that in them that, mm they were right there. And yeah, yeah. there's so much to it, right? There's so many, (laughs) there's so many offshoots to this parenting life with kids like this, that you have endless, endless chores of (laughs) ways to not screw it up. Yes. Well, like I often think too, Will Wendy become a therapist? Will she become a doctor? Like she's sitting here watching us do G-tube changes and like all the things like she even will pick up on um, when we have like Kimball's deaf therapist come over and help us with like language development and stuff. And then later she'll use principles that she was teaching me. I'm like, oh my gosh, you (laughs) were listening. And she's like, yeah, acoustic highlighting. And it's just amazing. (laughs) Like, I mean, like, I don't, I'm not going to push her into it, but I love picturing too, like the siblings, you know, being affected by the exposure to the medical world and the therapies and things like that. Like, wouldn't it be cool to see them, I don't know, have that become a permanent part of their life, like with their profession? I don't know. I just think that's cool too. Yeah, I would love to find some way to collect all that data on adult siblings and what their professions are now, because I would, I bet that like 90% of them are in some kind of compassionate career path, whether it's being a doctor or a scientist or a therapist or a musician who plays at retirement homes. I bet, yeah, I bet it's astronomical. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We should conduct that study. We should. That would be so cool. (laughs) We should. That would be so awesome. When it's kind of like this unseen world too, until you're thrown into it, it's like, oh yeah, like this world of doctors and, and of all the medical stuff and front row seat to that. Yeah. Could you imagine knowing anything? I mean, I didn't even dare to question my doctor, even though I knew something was wrong because I was told that doctors are right and they're smart and you respect them. End of story. Yeah. Like our kids are going to know, actually, (laughs) you know, like they're going to have something to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Little baby advocates. (laughs) Um, Has anything been hard about having Ezzy after Ford? Yes, especially what I'm doing right now. The hard thing for me <laughs> is she's almost two, right? She's mm-hmm. she's running around. She's busy. She wants to go to the mm-hmm. park. She wants to go on the slide. She's busy. And mm-hmm. Ford loves to go on walks and feel the wind on his face and just enjoy watching the trees. And I can't take them out together right now. She oh, will wow. not sit in the stroller. Ford wants to keep going. So Mm. I'm kind of like, how do I go out on a walk with my kids? How do I do this without having to have another person there with me? You know, now I'm home with the two kids and like, I don't know how to go for a walk without Ezzy having a meltdown because she wants to get out or Ford having a meltdown because he doesn't want to sit in the stroller while he watches Ezzy play. He wants to Mm. go on a walk. So this is a 
part that's like really it sucks right now and it's hurting my feelings and my kids feelings because nobody's getting what they want um so that's that part is hard and I haven't figured out how to (laughs) mom guyver this situation you know I live like downtown too so I can't just like let her walk next to me because I have to push the stroller with both hands Ford's big yeah you know, it's right by the street. So this is my struggle bus I'm yeah. on right now. Yeah. In the scheme of things, not that bad, but, but going it, outside is a huge part of all of our mental health. So. <laughs> Especially right now with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh man. So I'm trying to figure that part out. Um, mm-hmm. Was your pregnancy with her difficult? Did you feel yourself worrying or like? No, both of my pregnancies were perfect and beautiful and amazing. And I got to order two cheeseburgers at once. And my hair was thick (laughs) for the first time ever. Like I loved being pregnant. I could do it again. Um, everything was great. And my delivery with Ezzy was great. She, she came out like as soon as the eclipse was happening, like (laughs) she wasn't there. Then the eclipse was happening and she was there. It was like five minutes. That's awesome. She, Ezzy's been a piece of cake. Like I could be Ezzy's mom with my hands behind my back right now. And that's seriously how I feel compared to being Ford's mom. Yeah. Um, and that's just right now, obviously. Yeah. You know, she's two. But, yeah. but like, again, it goes back to like how much you savor the little moments and stuff. Like the the fact that you don't have to have a therapist to help her stack blocks or, you know, just all the different things that she just does. Like, I'm sure that is so different than what your experience would be like if she were your first one, right? Like, yeah, definitely. That perspective. Yeah. And you know, there is always, always some bitter sweetness to those moments too, right? Like Casey and I both yeah. feel them. We're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is remarkable. This is everything that I ever wanted. And then I see Ford who's sitting right next to us and so it's kind of like, ugh, I ache a little, but it's also really yeah. special. Yeah. Oh, that totally makes sense. You know how it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I do feel like, though, it would be amplified watching a younger sibling kind of skip above them or like do things that the older sibling isn't doing. I mean, like, hopefully we'll have another child. And I'm kind of the same type of thing where I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to have a typical child now that I know, <laughs> like, now I can like really appreciate all those different <laughs> stages without the therapies and stuff. Like, you know, that is something that we want to. And so like, I don't know, I think that will be an interesting experience watching them surpass their older sibling. Yeah, that started happening almost immediately. So it w- didn't come as much of a like a big moment where it was mm-hmm. happening, you know, as he was drinking milk. So as soon as she came out, <laughs> she was already passing forward. Yeah. She was swallowing. Right. Uh, she was sleeping. She was having bowel movements. Ford never had those. She was right. doing all the things <laughs> that Ford had never done right away. Yeah. So we kind of got used to that really quick. I do think that probably some of the monumental things that are, you know, lofty and pointless, like maybe a school dance or maybe this or maybe that might make me feel something a little more, Mm -hmm. but maybe not. Um, Yeah. You know, those are just the things you have in your head, you know, before you have Mm -hmm. kids that seem important, but like really aren't. (laughs) Yeah, totally. totally. Uh, But I don't know, maybe 
maybe when she's older and I really start to see the huge gaps that I feel like maybe that will be a little more, a little harder. Yeah, totally. I don't know. Yeah. Well, just to wrap up, um, I would love for you to tell us one more time how much you adore Ford and what he's brought to your life. (laughs) Ford's changed everything. He's changed me and my entire family and all of my friends. You know, people have slowed down and they've really came together and supported us. And it's just because of this kid that makes everybody smile and he makes everybody have a good day. No matter what's happening, if you look at Ford, he's going to give you his funny side eye and he's going (laughs) to make you laugh. (laughs) And nothing is more important than how Ford can make you feel. Beautiful. He's amazing. Thank you so much, Effie, for sharing your heart and Ford and your life with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Madeline. You'd think like after podcasting for so many years and being Ford's mom, I wouldn't get emotional, but that's just who I am. Hey, Um, (laughs) it's emotional stuff. (laughs) All the feels. Yeah, thank you for your beautiful podcast. It's so amazing. And I just am so glad you're doing what you're doing because there needs to be a million of us out there. We all (laughs) needed to hear these podcasts when our kids were born. I agree. Amen to that. Right back at you. (laughs) Thank you. You can find adorable photos of Effie and her family on the website. While you're there, be sure to answer April's question of the month. I'll link that in the show notes. You can also follow Effie and her podcast on Instagram at onceuponagene.podcast. You can also give me a follow at the underscore rare underscore life where I share about new episodes being released and musings about being Kimball's mom. Don't miss next week's episode with Effie for her special topic as we chat all about inclusion and friendship, both for us and our children. It's a gem. Don't miss it. See you then. You can catch another rebroadcasted episode next week.